Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. I am your host, back again, Casey DeFritis, and this week I am joined by Per Schneider. Hello. Brian Altano. Hey. And Tom Marks. Hello. I am so happy to be back, and this week we get to talk about a little bit of Monster Hunter, specifically a Monster Hunter Special Edition Switch, uh, the Bowser's Fury preview, and Mario Rabbit Rumors, and, uh, you know, a whole lot more, like the Yuge. But 
guys, how are you? I'm so bad. I'm so glad to be back. Not bad. Oh, huge. Glad. I miss I, I miss this like perfect balance of professionalism and awkwardness. <laughs> That's just me in great. a nutshell all the time. I nailed it. <laughs> so but, did you do you have your power back? Are you are you expert expert gamer again? Only for an hour at a time, <sighs> which is better than none. So it is better. <laughs> It's yeah. progress. I did. I did try some Smash, and I won my first game back at Smash against someone who commonly gets um, second or third, and sometimes even fourth. First in our our tournaments that our friends hold, so felt pretty good about that. <laughs> Away from action games for nine months, and I won my first Smash game, but best two out nice. of three, so pretty good. <laughs> cool. Well, we're gonna put you on graphic novels for the next six months then. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much. No, I'll do my best. I'm still doing it. Playing a little bit of Monster Hunter, a little bit of stuff when I can. But yeah, let's get it started with the Bowser's Fury preview. This is Super Mario 3D World with the expansion. Our friend Joe Scrubbles over in the UK was able to get some hands on with it. Brian, I know you're a big fan of Super Mario 3D World. What did you think of Joe's preview? I didn't read it because I don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> because oh, I'm no. very excited for this game. No, it's okay. Uh, we'll do it now. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> I'm super excited for this. I'm not necessarily in media blackout. I've seen what I needed to see. I read a little bit about the length of this uh, sort of bonus campaign. I'm I'm all in. Like I I don't need any more. To, I don't need any more arm twisting. This is like basically a brand new 3D Mario, you know, mini game uh, or small, smaller size game coming small to Switch game. very soon. Um, and I can't wait. Like I'm, I'll, I will 100% the main campaign in this game again in multiplayer. Uh, I, I love this game so much. And the uh, Bowser's Fury stuff looks amazing. And I didn't read the preview because so I don't want to be spoiled. But now my friends could spoil me while I'm stuck here in this chair being forced to listen to you i can i can tell you I'm everything sorry. that's in it <laughs> okay go for it it's fine <laughs> no it's uh it, joe did an awesome job um if you listeners if viewers if you haven't watched it watch his uh, his preview it does a really nice job at breaking down the two parts of the game you know he says it's basically two games in one you get the classics slightly sped up right more kind of more side-scrolling oriented game so not like a mario odyssey 3d exploration game but like this this fun kind of fast four-player game and then this completely separate mode um he was only able to get limited time with um you know what probably everybody's curious about bowser's fury uh but he said it's it's really interesting because it's it uses the 3d world engine but then a kind of more open world setup like uh like odyssey so when you watch the preview you can see it sometimes doesn't quite look as good as Odyssey, but in general, it still looks really impactful because it has all these cool weather effects and it's just really, really neat to see the styles of the two games mixed like that. Um, but the thing that I thought was really interesting is that he uh, he confirmed that the Bowser appearance is like the Blood Moon in Zelda in that it's like a world event that happens. And when Bowser is there, he'll um, he'll attack you and his attacks can open areas or destroy blocks that otherwise you wouldn't be able to get into. So it's like it's a scary event, but it's also a welcome event. And so... Um, the thing he wasn't able to do is to actually do the battle with Bowser. Presumably, that's what you build up to, and that's how you end the level. It's really cool looking. Yeah, there are. So I don't know how much you want to be spoiled. I think he said that you can get him to go away by picking up one of the collectibles uh, called a cat shine. And he said there were a lot of 
similarities and callbacks to Mario Sunshine, but no, no flood or anything like that. And there's an item that you can pick up and then do Gigantamax battle with uh, Bowser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you collect shines basically like in, in, in Sunshine, which is um, different from obviously 3D world in the way it's set up. But um, yeah, it is, it, it is very curious, right? Like that you kind of get a mini Mario adventure in it. Mm-hmm. Like it almost makes it feel like maybe, at one point, they were thinking about doing this this cap thing as an Odyssey uh, DLC level or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I, I can't wait to play it. Unfortunately, you know, my number one player partner, uh, my daughter, we used to play this together. She now lives in Japan, but luckily, the game has multiplayer. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, I mean, uh, sorry, online, online multiplayer. It, it does yes, have it online. Does. And from, from what mm-hmm. I saw, sort of on social media. Uh, it seems to work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 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 very into that concept. I, Pear, I think you're totally onto something. It, it, this it does feel kind of curious that there's this brand new side mode because Nintendo didn't need to do this. You know, like a lot of their uh, ports have from the Wii U era have been a, a lot more straightforward. They've added some stuff here and there into like Pikmin, and obviously we got you know a, additional modes and stuff in. Uh, I, I guess what was it? it in Mario Kart? Did they add battle mode eventually? On the, on yeah, the we got yeah, we got additions on the Switch for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, but this this game is fantastic on its own, and it doesn't you know feel short on content at all. So I'm super happy they decided to add even more because I you know like I said, 100 percent of the last one, I'll do it all over again. But I, I was not expecting anything new here, and to get that is a really cool bonus for fans. Like, I, but I think you're right. Like, I wonder when when mm. and where the development of this mode was sort of adjacent to like was this an odyssey thing was this you know 3d world dlc or additional stuff that they were planning until they saw you know the wii u kind of tapered off in terms of sales um but either way i'm I'm glad it's here now it's neat yeah and and you know just as i think a, a guiding light for nintendo's de- decisions is how many people played any of the wii u games and i think we're seeing the additions in games that sold well on Wii U by Wii U standards, right? Like millions of copies, whereas like some games that that tanked on Wii U, they're just porting over with very little changes. So um yeah, I mean maybe we'll eventually get a wind waker with some some stuff added to. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like inverted controls, but oh. <laughs> some some more clarification on the multiplayer additions. They did so the way it works is that one player will create a room and other players will join and it seems very easy to use but only the person who made the room will make progress in their game they also made it so there are the the treasure tracker um levels in this game as well and now everyone can participate in those as well instead of just having to two player right i'm not sure yeah i think the total the treasure yeah those the the fixed levels are are two players from what i saw but um it's still it's okay. that's great it used to be that like all right everybody stop and watch right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so very cool looking forward to that i honestly it's like another one no it's another one of those games that i barely played on the wii u at all it was one of those that i pick up and play at a friend's house because they had it but i never actually got it myself that oh. seems to be a trend of mario games with me everyone had it so i never felt pressured to buy it because i could just play it for free at other people's houses which isn't a thing right now but you know 
I'm so I'm I'm so jealous of people who skipped the Wii U. I mean, there were yeah, there were a couple of really awesome games on that system, and like, but you know, people people rightfully maybe skipped it because it didn't have the greatest, like the broadest lineup. And now you get to play these games for the first time. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. But that was our discussion on Mario Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury preview. That's the final preview. This game is coming out soon so we'll give you our full review thoughts then but now more mario so at least kind of so yesterday the rabbits official twitter this is all complete rumors just complete speculation but the official rabbits the rabbits official twitter handle changed their name to mario rabbits but then they changed it back today why <laughs> i don't know the last time they tweeted was in august 2020 and that tweet reads uh, ready, set, run. Click here to join Rabbit's Wild Race and beat the best score. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with Mario and Rabbit's, but maybe they did it to have people start talking about Mario and Rabbit, so they're extra excited when they announce a new game. Again, complete speculation. Who knows? Was it a mistake? Maybe. Well, so here's the thing, real quick Shred. though. Maybe the timing <laughs> was a mistake, but the that account on Twitter is verified, and in order mm-hmm. to change the handle of a or the the at of a verified account, uh, you you lose verification unless you go through Twitter to get it approved. Ooh. So yeah. they had to go through the process of talking to someone at Twitter to change this handle. And my theory is because they changed it back, that must mean that it just went through at the wrong time or Ooh. too soon or something like that. Whether this Twitter means mistake. Yeah, whether this means Mario and Rabbids 2 is coming is like, that's all speculative. But like, they had to consciously make the choice to change this handle to mario rabbits which does mean something to me yeah this is not it's i totally agree this is not you know some social media intern makes a change and goes oh sorry i didn't know we couldn't do that like that took effort um yeah and these these companies are usually really buttoned up uh, with their social (laughs) media presence because naming something means you have to have the trademark for it right like there are all sorts of legal questions uh, in this case, you know, another brand is involved with Mario and like for someone to willy nilly change that, that seems very unlikely. Um, right. I, I would I would love another game. Uh, you know, I think that team behind it is so, so um, talented. I wish they had just been given the keys to make a Donkey Kong 3D game or something like that. But I will take another Mario Rabbits if they're working on one, please. I really really wanted uh davide soliani and the rest of the team to make or to do like a full-on remake of super mario rpg and oh, so man. this yeah i've said that for years i really really want that to happen i feel like that the the isometric look of this game just take a lot of those textures in uh either, either a sequel or a remake or something like that um so this twitter handle getting changed to mario rabbits doesn't exactly imbue a ton of confidence because i don't want rabbits in Super Mario RPG, unless it's like oh. an Easter egg or one's hiding behind a tree in one level. That's it. But uh, this probably means a sequel, and I'm not going to complain about that because um, that versus the lofty expectations I invented in my own warped brain is not <laughs> very fair. So uh, th- that said, the first game was excellent, and I'll totally play a sequel to this. But I do want a Mario RPG sequel, reboot, 3D remake at some point with no rabbits. That's all. I don't ask for much. Call up Mr. Square. Maybe they make one. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are the Mario Rabbids rumors. Probably means something. We don't know what. But (laughs) what we do know is that 
right now. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. There is... A Monster Hunter Special Edition Switch available for pre-order right now in Europe and available later in Japan. For the U.S., unconfirmed. Am I salty? Confirmed. But <laughs> it is a Special Edition Switch bundle featuring Monster Hunter Rise decorations on the Switch and the Joy-Cons. There's also a new Pro Controller for the game as well, which features the flagship monster Magnamalo. It looks very cool. I need, I would like another pro controller. Can the US, US please have it so I don't have to bother uh, Scrubbles to get one for me. But <laughs> yeah, very cool. The special edition switch comes with a download code for the game. And like I said, the it is available for pre-order in Europe, but not yet in Japan and not at all for the US. That's about <sighs> it. That's annoying. I want the Joy-Con. 
It's yeah, so they look, pretty. The whole thing looks really good. Ah, look, I don't want to buy another Switch. They're already making a Mario Edition one that has a new Joy-Con color. And then they're mm-hmm. making this one, which has the gray with the printed designs, which, you know, isn't as exciting as a new color. Um, I don't know. We'll see. There might be yeah. some folks on eBay who are, who are selling the, the uh, Joy-Con standalone. That, that happens usually with the special editions. You can get like a, a, sat, a set of Animal Crossing ones for 100 bucks or something. Oh. Because I don't need more switches, ladies and gentlemen. No. You also no. don't need more Joy-Con. Oh, I do. On the topic. I mean, but they you break don't. every two months, so. <laughs> Give it to me. You need them in that, like, in that sense of, like, you've collected all of them so far. And so your brain is telling you, you have to keep going. That's it. But that's the I'm telling thing. you, as your friend, you don't have to. You can get out of the game. I, I left the Amiibo game. I got, like, I don't know. It was, like, Marth or Roy. I was like, I don't like this dude. Uh, and I was like, why am I doing this? You know, yeah. Like, says, ah. says the man with twelve hundred bib fortunas behind him at this moment. Okay, first of all, they didn't make twelve hundred. They've only made like fifteen. There's uh-huh. one of them I don't have, and he's very. I'll explain now that you brought this up. Uh, in 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 the eighties, uh, Star Wars and Colgate partnered with each other, uh, and they put out a line of toothpaste that came with figures. And the first one they did was Bib Fortuna, arguably the worst teeth in Star Wars, and then they never did any more. And so I've seen that in person nice. at um, Rancho Obi-Wan, but uh, did, it's hundreds of dollars and I'm not going to hunt it down. Did they make an official uh, Bib Fortuna XL from Mandalorian or did you uh, did you make your own out of clay? They <laughs> uh, gen- Gentle Giant made an official jumbo Bib Fortuna that I cannot find because it was guild exclusive for members two years ago and I missed out and it basically doesn't exist anymore. So if you have that and you're listening and you're <laughs> as obscure with your collectibles as I am, why did, why did this turn on me? That's not <laughs> I, that's, I would, It was a deflection <laughs> move. I, I will. And you fell I, for it, Brian. I, I will buy the... the uh, I will get that pro controller for for sure because that one sold separately. And yeah. mm-hmm. remember, this is, we haven't seen a pro controller in many many months. What was the the last one? I can't even remember which one. It wasn't the Smash one. It was the uh, the Xenoblade one. Yeah. Made of, it, oh, it's right. been it's been a really long time. They haven't done a new design, which means maybe pro controllers aren't selling as well, right? The Switch obviously is on yeah. fire and selling incredibly well, they're just, well. They're not. They're not available. I mean, I when I I'm not at my normal residence right now and i realized all i had worth with me was a broken pair of joy con and i looked everywhere for an official um pro controller and by look everywhere i mean i looked online to look at the stock in stores nearby me and no one had one i I had to get a i had to get a a knockoff uh power a which is a really it is really cute there i'll show it there's there's a little pikachu oh that's really nice Mm. yeah and it's really light but it doesn't have the gyro capabilities or the um Mm. rumble so it's it's fine but yeah it's missing some of the features it also has a headphone jack which is neat um that makes it better than the pro controller to me it does right the headphone jack but yeah Yeah. i couldn't find an official one so Mm. uh, okay i'll stop buying them up then you can have some too (laughs) <laughs> and I, I did I did want to to comment. I do like the design of this special edition switch, but I do wish they had changed the Nintendo logo on the dock to match the gold with mm. the rest of the design. And I, I kind of wish there was some some color in there. Because we have yeah, a lot they, of great switches. They've been now, right? yeah, they've been very sparing with the color. Like you guys know the 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 uh, Dragon Quest one has the little blue slimes on it, but generally they're just black with little mm-hmm. printed stuff on it. The Mario edition one is the first one that actually has a, a different colored case. 
Right. Um, I, I mean, look, Animal part Crossing one too, right? Uh, no, the, the actual Crossing switch is yeah. black still. It's the switch just the, is oh yeah, that's right. The the dock is a different color. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, look, I I wish they would stop so I wouldn't have to buy the controllers. But <laughs> no, Brian, I have to. I won't say anything yeah. anymore. Fine. <laughs> I'm in my well, my literal shame corner, so I won't say anything anymore. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Bip Altano. At, at, at the rate the Joy-Con break, though, you know, you might as well just mm -hmm. keep cycling through them. What that's a true. segue! Yeah. And uh, perfect segue, because speaking of that, there have been even more Joy-Con complaints, including from a very official source, which is me, who bought a left Joy-Con <laughs> and it broke after a day and I had to return it. So but other besides me, there are two other uh, things going on. The European Consumer Organization has submitted a complaint to the European Commission about Nintendo Switch Joy-Con drift, and it's calling for a Europe-wide investigation into the issue. The BEUC says nearly 25,000 complaints have been filed by European consumers, and in 80% of cases, the game controllers broke within the first two years of use. And Nintendo is now facing down potential legal trouble in Canada, the U.S., and across Europe. So at what point, like, why didn't mm. they just fix it? Right. That's the thing. It's like, at what, point is, at what point is this recall worthy of just like, if you guys had just fixed this two years ago when people were bringing it up as an issue, instead of just sort of like burying their head in the sand about the issue and just offering free repairs and that's the only real solution, then like you like this wouldn't have been continuously escalating where it's like more lawsuits are being brought now the eu is investigating and it's like at any point in the last four years you could have you like figured out a way to revise this design like i'll keep going back to the fact that the, the switch light the fact that the switch light also gets drift is incomprehensible to me yeah. at this point yeah it's it's, it's justified crazy. The the suits are justified, but maybe Nintendo did a uh, did the math and says it's cheaper to settle, or they think that they'll win, um, and that's cheaper than a recall. I mean, this is this is like one of the most consistently innovative companies in history. They figured out how to make a piano and a robot out of cardboard. Like, I have a Mario Kart toy that knows my living room. Like, fix the Joy Cons. <laughs> like, it's, the, it's not like figure it out. I, I don't understand why this is so Tom, you did a you did an editorial on this a year ago. We we did a video together about this. Even yeah. that was two years after it was already happening. It's been I how long what, is this the fourth anniversary of the switch in March? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Four years and people we're still getting Joy-Con drift. Like yeah. it's yeah. insane to me. Look, I mean their answer is gonna be that they fix it for free, right? If, if your Joy-Con breaks, I, I think I I'm at uh, yeah, four sent in and fixed, right? They say, "Oh, we'll take we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it." And so, it's not that they're not doing anything, but it is it is kind of crazy that there's still this fear and this uncertainty that it will happen with the latest and newest Joy-Con, which you know in some cases can't be replaced because they're also special editions. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. It's very yeah. strange. And it's, yeah, and it's, the special I, edition I, one is the the worst part. <laughs> Totally. And as I said in that piece a year ago, that's still like the only thing that's not completely relevant about the thing I wrote a year ago is like that uh, repair centers have opened back up to a certain extent now, which they were closed during like the beginning of the pandemic. Um, but like, I still can't use my Joy-Con 
out, like sitting comfortably on my couch because it's just slightly too far away from my switch. But like my pro controller works, my PS five controller works, mm-hmm. my PS four controller works. Every other wireless controller I've ever had works at farther than that distance. But joy con just have this weird problem with desync occasionally. Like it's really wild to me kind of how quickly these issues were presented and how much they still have been unaddressed and i at this point i i have to assume it's what you said pair of just it's the like the cold calculating lawyers in nintendo figuring out what is financially best for the company which you know that's their job and i don't fault them for it but it's not what's best for the consumer right right well it's also like i i mean i appreciate that that they are doing free repairs but unless you have a secondary controller which a lot of people don't they just bought a switch or a switch light um you're incapable of accessing your games or playing your games for the entire duration of time that your Joy-Con is out of commission and waiting to be, you know, fixed and returned. So like a bunch of us, you know, we have pro controllers. I have like, you know, a a bunch of 8-BitDo controllers. I could, you know, connect something to get through a week or two if I needed to. But for the average player, if like they're playing Animal Crossing and there's an event coming up and their Joy-Con dies or drifts, like they're missing out. Like, and that's, you you buy into an ecosystem by, you know, purchasing a console or a handheld, or in this case, a hybrid, and not being able to access the stuff that that you paid into is is such a bummer. And I feel like this is something that could be fixed on an R and D level, and it wouldn't be an issue four years later. But here we are. Yeah. So unhappy. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if anyone wants to give them a, a benefit of the doubt, as in they they did look into it and realized they couldn't fix the problem without fundamentally changing the design of the product. Right. But probably not. They right? have to. Well, that's that's, that's yeah. fair. Right. Like that is uh, so to, to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. If that's the issue, then that's a big issue to solve. But it feels like a problem that is pervasive enough mm-hmm. that they should have solved it. Right. right. Like. Yeah. That's that's the key thing to me is like the Red Rings of Death for the Xbox 360 is the comparison I'll always keep going back to where it's like that was happening to enough pe- to people before it became this big thing. Right. But then at a certain point, it happened to enough people where they said, we literally cannot let this keep going on. We mm-hmm. need to fix the issue at great cost to ourselves because we need to do right by the people who are buying this system. And mm-hmm. like Nintendo just hasn't done that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft was mailing out cardboard boxes to people that like gamers were calling coffin coffin. Yeah. 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 And, and you would put the system in the coffin or you would like what, what I did was I, like I wrapped my, my 360 in towels for like a week to like keep it alive (laughs) to finish playing a game. But eventually what they did was just completely redesign the console and maybe they just need to redesign Joy-Con. Maybe like we've had Joy-Con for four years like you know sort of push them aside and make them a legacy joy-con and you know roll out new hardware for 2021 and say this is what joy-con are now and they're foolproof or as foolproof as we can get them and that's where the legal side of the house i think forbids them to actually make that move the right move would be to come out and say yes these had problems you know if you have issues we'll send you a coffin to send it in for repair this is what we changed and here you don't have to worry about the unit new units but there's just no way they'd do that right. you know, because that means admitting that there's a fault rather than the onus on the consumer putting the onus on the consumer to say oh my joy con broke will you fix it and they'll go sure 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, until then, I will keep purchasing the warranty for two years on my Joy-Con because then I'll just get an <laughs> unlimited amount of Joy-Con. I'll just I'll just keep exchanging them forever. So thank there you, you insurance for letting me put insurance on my Joy-Con. And in happier news, there's there are a couple of Animal Crossing things happening again. Um, I, I wanted to know, Brian, Pear, Tom, are you guys still playing? Are you guys still nope. involved in those Animal no. Crossing updates? Yeah, I uh, didn't. Think I missed so. Christmas too. I was gonna I was gonna oh, no. get into town Christmas, and then I was like, meh. I'm yeah. I missed <laughs> Christmas, Halloween. I uh, I. Now, I, I won't say like I burned out on that game, but I played it. I played it a lot. Like I played it for I played it personally on my own for probably like 150 hours. And then like I hosted multiple charity streams and each one of those I was visiting uh, different people's towns. And I, that was like another hundred hours. So mm-hmm. I by the time I was done, I was like, OK, I think I've seen what I need to see here. But then it kept going and all this cool stuff get, kept getting added. But I'm at the point now where I've been gone for so long that I don't want to go back because I feel like I'm going to let everyone in that game down. All the animals who haven't seen me in so long. There's going to be rats and roaches everywhere. You know, yeah. crime is going to be up. It's going to be really bad. You could, you could sell those roaches to the, to the store. That's right. What? I'm, for money. Yeah. You can sell roaches now? I thought you just had to step on them and turn them into ghosts. You could sell roaches? No, I'm, I'm, no I, I, I'm lying. I'm completely oh. lying. You, you, you know, can. you could make up so many things that have... You would have almost gone them. back in. <laughs> no, but, yeah, you can sell those for a huge profit. I spent the whole weekend with a net oh. trying to catch her. For, for me, it's more that the, um, the mystery is gone, right? Like when a... In the, the last round of Animal Crossing, when new events were, were added, there was always this kind of discovery factor. But now we're going through the, um, the seasonal events that I already know from past titles, right? right. Like I know... All right. Well, you you'll get certain. There's a certain set of items that you can collect by doing certain things, and then you have them, and that's it, right? Like I would go check in if there was a significant new addition, right? Just like diving was familiar again from the last game, but diving at least made you go in and go. Oh, I can go into the water now and dive and collect a different type of something mm-hmm. that wasn't just you know a new set of chairs and tables and all of that. Yeah. Um, that's that's what m- would motivate me to go back in if there was a significant update. I I haven't gone back in myself either, but my partner started playing over winter break actually a bit, just like revisited and has since kind of like fallen off a little bit again. But like it was it was cool to see her dip into it and kind of experience that a little bit through her of just like seeing the snowman stuff firsthand and seeing some of the Christmas stuff firsthand and like uh specifically and this was actually really really nice i don't know if i mentioned this on the show yet uh like we spent new year's because it was a pandemic new year's where we didn't get to see anyone or go anywhere and so like we spent it the countdown in animal crossing and we put it on the tv and the plaza is filled with like tom nook and isabel and you give everyone little new year's hats and they're all like super excited and there's a big timer and it counted down to midnight at the right time and the fireworks went off and like it was really cute and fun to like have a little party through the game actually timed to midnight. So that was like a really nice little treat, actually. I saw uh, was, yeah. was that on New Year's. A lot of people uh, were posting shots of that on social media and it was like really, really heartwarming. Like, it was, yeah, that was that that made me want to go like, OK, I'm I'll jump in tonight. But then I think I fell asleep at like 915 on New Year's. Like I was doing <laughs> The thing, the thing that was really great about it was like uh it it wasn't like a cut scene 
right? It wasn't like a railroaded thing. It was just like people were in the plaza. And then when it got to 10 seconds, they just started counting. And then That's so after cute. that, they start pulling party poppers and like drink. <laughs> like you literally have a champagne item where you can like do a thing where you hold it up to the, you like, you like toast basically yeah. with champagne. And it was just very cute and, and warm and fuzzy. And also like some of the best music in that game because at 10 minutes to midnight, the soundtrack changed. And then at five minutes to midnight, the soundtrack changed. And then at one minute to midnight, the soundtrack changed. And it was all like unique music for those moments. It was like really, really good. It was cute. It was fun. It's cute. I think like one of the things that Thank kept me from crossing. really yeah. sticking with it was uh, there was a lot of like little things that kind of drove me nuts. Like I remember like having to move a building by like a pixel and yeah. having to go through that whole routine of like, asking you know the mouse that lived in that that house like can i move your house like an inch and then be like yeah three days later be like can i move it again i screwed up like there was like all these little <laughs> little things like that um which i doubt they they fixed or patched but um yeah i, I kind of want to go back in because i miss that game what i will say is it's a lot less punishing uh to like long time away returners than previous animal crossing games previous animal crossing games i feel like would like flood your town with weeds and like everyone when you talk to them would be like hey where have you been it's been too long <laughs> this game's sort of just like like there's still roaches and there's still weeds and people will mention but it's not nearly as much like it doesn't hit you over the head with like right. you abandoned us nearly as much as other games well i yeah. remember like one of the one of the older ones it was either the the ds one or the gamecube one you would like dip out for like a month or two and you'd come back and there would just be like 15 characters in a row would come to your house and talk to you like Rossetti would yell at you and then he'd leave and then nook would be like you still owe me money and then tortimer would show up and he'd be like there's been an accident like it would just keep going <laughs> <laughs> you'd be stuck in this loop for so long and by the yeah. time you went out oh, everything was covered in weeds <laughs> that's funny i look we're coming up on the one year anniversary so i'm expecting right. you know either either nintendo says well not enough people are playing anymore and we're going to walk away or we'll get a nintendo direct in february that's going to announce what's going to happen with the next season or year of the game because we're not going to collect all the freaking eggs again right no no never. No. please don't ever i cannot believe that that was the first of then that everyone mm -hmm. when that game had peak concurrence they were just like release the eggs release <laughs> the eggs yeah i'm i'm really excited Terrifying for the mario rabbit. stuff that's that's i think that's 100 percent going to get me to go back in the mario items because i made like a full mario like room in the in the last game and so uh, that's coming out in march right i know they teased I, that last I, year yeah yeah i believe so the next one is festival um which so the update you should be able to download it either today or tomorrow festival festival which is uh, based <laughs> off the uh, carnival which is carnival oh my goodness which is celebrated <laughs> in brazil um and has all a lot of different colorful costumes and you have this really cute new character and you get to collect feathers and everything you want to know about the event you can find on our wiki page please look at that if you want to know the minute details but starting february 1st you'll be able to purchase new items exclusive to this event in nook's cranny so check that out it's actually carnival that. is a carnival is a big deal in in germany in yes. in, in february oh, really? as well yeah oh yeah like every town has like floats going around every Everybody dresses up like here on Halloween and uh, the floats throw candy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that was our Halloween basically in February and it was always huh. snowy and rainy and cold. 
See, that's the, that's yeah, the thing right. you're And then there's, yeah, the, the Mario, Mario one in March. Yeah. But I know we just talked a ton about Animal Crossing, but really quick, there's also an Animal Crossing Sanrio collaboration pack coming to the U.S. for the first time. It's new Amiibo cards coming exclusively to Target. And also, I know if you're listening to this now, you already missed it, and I'm sorry, I should have mentioned it last week. <laughs> I'm terrible. Um, but there was an Animal Crossing ColourPop collaboration. For those who don't know, ColourPop is a makeup brand that you can purchase at Ulta and also online. I am a big fan of ColourPop. I actually wear it all the time. It's just a bunch of, I just, it's really affordable, good makeup. And they came out with an adorable Animal Crossing collaboration. I was so surprised. Um, that came out at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning. And uh, yeah, it's all it's uh, probably all sold out by now, but you can give it a shot. <laughs> They'll probably restock on it at it with it at some point. But it included some uh, four pan palettes. I'm sorry, I really like makeup. I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so these really cute four pan palettes that are um, features the Animal Crossing characters like What a Hoot with Blathers or Nook Inc. with the uh, Nook and his little nephews and it, it was just it's cute and they had a bunch of different lip tints based on the fruits which smell like the fruits and are have tints and then they had the glitter set which is billionaire and it was just very adorable and creative but That's uh cute. yeah i asked color pop to to send us that so i could take photos for ign and they did not respond to me and i'm sad <laughs> <laughs> but I still bought some anyway, so it's fine. Eventually, in a month when I get it. <laughs> nice. But yeah, that's it for Animal Crossing. Thanks for letting me uh, talk about this makeup. But look how cute this packaging is. It's it is really. It's, it's a great crossover idea. I love. I love that too. Yeah, it's adorable. But anyway, we were just talking about Animal Crossing. But now we're going to talk about a little-known feature about the Nintendo 64 called the Stop and Swap feature. So this was reported by Rare Gamer. They got this in an interview and kind of got some insight onto why it was removed. Pear knows so much more about this than I do. So Pear, please ha. take it away and explain the Stop and Swap feature and some stuff that you discovered back when Banjo-Kazooie well, first came out. I, I, I lived it. Um, so <laughs> I remember when Banjo-Kazooie was announced at a GameStop conference. Um, it was called Dreams. And it was this awesome, mysterious game. And some of that mystery persisted into the game because there were there were hidden things in there, such as the, as the ice key and a feature that was teased called Stop and Swap, both words with O's in them, that was supposed to tie Banjo-Kazooie to its sequel, and, you know, as we learned through this letter, also Donkey Kong 64, the idea was, um, so there's basically there, there are these uh, items that are teased in the game when you, uh, you know, 100%, uh, uh, you can see at the end, you can see pictures of these, uh, uh, sorry, because you can see <laughs> the, these pictures of these eggs that uh, Mumbo Jumbo teases. And the way it was supposed to work was Rare figured out that, if you have a cartridge in your N64 and you pull it out quickly and put another one in, the game does not shut down and, you know, game code can be kept in RAM and then basically act as a transfer um, to the new game. So they were going to tie their games together. And you know, there, there's a quote, um, I think it was also on Rare Gamer, that uh, one of the rare, rare um, devs said that they had aspirations to do that with six games, almost like the, the MCU of Rare oh, Games, wow. like tying them all together. Now, 
if you remember the N64 and the Super NES and all those times, and you remember the instruction manuals, the manuals they all said, don't pull out the cartridge while the system is on. It could damage your system. It could damage your game, all of those things. And uh, it sounds like that's what happened here. Rare had the idea to tie games together and unlock secrets between these games by swapping, hot swapping them. And Nintendo said, uh, uh, uh. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, said, cautioned them and gave some advice on how to tie it together. I remember when we, we got Banjo Tui, uh, uh, like a week and a half, I think, before it came out, we got the cartridge, we played it, and we found the ice key in it. And, you know, everybody was wondering about this ice key in Banjo Kazooie and you, how you could never get to it. And so we thought, oh, finally, the mystery is going to be solved. But it turns out that that connection feature was actually removed. And it wasn't until the Xbox versions when Rare, you know, changed owners that that connection was patched in. If you had save files for the Banjo uh, games, you could actually, um, uh, you know, it, it would unlock rewards and achievements in some cases and extra items in the, in, in the Xbox exclusive Banjo game too. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really cool story. The Donkey Kong 64 connection is really interesting. There are these kind of abandoned uh, little features in DK64, like a fridge that was supposed to perhaps let you connect to Banjo. There was talk. I remember we reported on Donkey Kong 64 having a 64DD feature and the 64DD was designed around add-on content, right? You'd be able to have a disc in the drive while playing the cartridge game all of that obviously never came to fruition and so it's like kind of like unearthing these ruins of forgotten dreams yeah allegedly it was supposed to allow you to uh collect a, i think it was fifteen thousand more balloons hid <laughs> all over it's a stupid game no uh it's it's like it's it's impossible to understand like how i remember like those rumors around the time that was such a cool concept but i totally understand why they said no to it because like you do risk the the chance of having your entire save data wiped just by lifting you know pulling things out of your system in the middle of it doing what it's supposed to be doing so i think it's they filed a patent for it too right rare filed a patent for stop and swap and all of that the, the patent i think was even like mentioned like you could theoretically have an ice key that opens an ice door in another game and then they used that exact thing right that was the (laughs) the exact plan but the hilarity is the N64 had a controller pack. You could save save data right. to it and and right. use it in the next game, and that would have been so easy to share data. But like Rare, Rare just was they were very creative and very fancy. They wanted to do something cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was weird. It's weird too. It's just so funny to hear about this in 2021 when you're just like, oh yeah, that's just sa- like that's just how save data works, right? Like right. tons of games do this all the time now, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's they had to at the time, you know, without the the controller pack, like they had to think about like, okay, how could we functionally do this? The idea of of storing game data in RAM and then removing the game and swapping it is like so like weird caveman old school, but it's such like, it's just what they were like, they were experimenting and that's so cool. I mean, they had also, they were, um, I believe this was confirmed and then they, they pulled the feature at the end, but they had experimented with letting users use the Game Boy camera to take pictures of themselves to import into perfect dark to become like enemies I remember that. Uh, And they pulled it for some pretty bleak reasons. There were like uh, some mass shootings and stuff at the time and school shootings. 
And they were basically like, let's stay away from letting anyone have that sort of capability. But that's, you know, there was a minute there where they were like, you can use your Game Boy camera, plug it into your N64 through some apparatus, and then take pictures of yourself to put in perfect dark, which would have been hilariously bad because like the Game Boy camera did not, I loved it, but it did not take the best photographs. It it, it looked pretty good. Remember the textures back then were really bad too. My right. face, my face texture is actually in perfect dark as one of the enemies. What? So you can, yeah, you can, you can kill me. What? Uh, what? Please don't. What? Yes. <laughs> Wait, for real? Yeah. I probably, I dude, I played that game like a billion, like for a billion hours. I probably yeah. shot you so many times. <laughs> but, but you know, when, are they when we back for the remake? Yes. No, but we uh, no, no, uh, I, I don't think so. Um, we um, I think we tested the Game Boy camera feature and it worked pretty well. I think it was even oh, testable, testable at E3. The texture, the textures were so simple back then. Even the camera did a did a good job at, at you know, getting close to something. And then they brought back that uh, that idea oh, for wow. the DS's AR thing right there's that ar yeah. balloon, shoot, oh, balloon shooting game where you can put your yeah. face on it i oh, i so just weird. I, I just found an article called shoot ign 64 dead <laughs> <laughs> oh no you might be surprised uh, by some of the characters in rare's upcoming first person shooter uh june 2012 nine wow yeah so this was first posted uh, February third, two thousand at one a.m. <laughs> Burning yes. the midnight oil over there. That's right. And then it, I believe it got an update twelve years later, which I'm, I'm fascinated as to what. It's just that. bug fixes. Got you it. probably updated to fix a formatting thing or something. Yeah, and there's a picture of uh, former NBC host Matt Kasmasima, uh in perfect dark. I don't see you anywhere, pair, but you're. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I think we didn't maybe we didn't have the game yet for picture taking. So it was just coincidentally one of the official pictures had Matt in it. And Miyamoto's in the game, too. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're a bunch of they're a bunch of people. They're a bunch of uh, editors, too, because they did this. They did a, a as part of like talking about the, the face camera stuff and all of that. I think they took everybody's pictures as a as a joke and surprise. So. Mm. <laughs> well, there's your there's your way to get back at me. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed listening about Nintendo 64's long dead feature, the stop and swap. But now let's talk about what we're playing now, which I don't think has anything to do with the Nintendo 64. But Brian, I know you were really excited about this last week, but you can talk about it. Mm -hmm. Talk about it now. Yeah, uh, so I'm playing Cyber Shadow. I'm almost done with it. It launched on Switch and PlayStation. It's on Game Pass and on PC. So pretty much anywhere. I uh, am kind of madly in love with this game. I don't think it reinvents the wheel or anything, but in terms of sort of completely crystallizing why I love the 8-bit, 16-bit era of action platformers, Cyber Shadow does a really good job of sort of evoking all of that. I think the level design is really smart. The controls are really tight. The action is great. Um, and it's got some sort of super Metroid-y features where the more you play, the more sort of like attributes and power-ups and skills you unlock. Uh, which give you much better abilities and sort of like add to your verticality, your speed, your your action, your, you know, combat, everything. And so uh, the game kind of ramps up as it gives you more stuff and also gives you an opportunity to go back and play through older levels and collect uh, collectibles and uh, unlockables that uh, will make you even more powerful and more strong. Um, I really like this game. It's... Um, not developed by Yacht Club, but they did publish it and they did sort of oversee development uh, and kind of, you know, 
give some nudges here and there to be like, hey, add this, do that, put a checkpoint here. Um, it's decidedly sort of 16-bit Ninja Gaiden, like, it, it, you know, tried and true formula. I would say, like, if you dug the messenger, it's it's up there with that. Um, mm-hmm. I actually like this a little bit more. I've seen some people say that they like the messenger more. Um, it's challenging. So uh, keep that in mind. This is definitely one of those games where you will be tempted to yell or throw your controller. Uh, <laughs> Maybe they'll fix the drift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, throw your controller. But like I, I'm, I find myself playing a lot of games like this where they are punishing but doable. And when you get through a section, you're like, oh, I feel like a king. Like this is amazing. And so like I'm stuck on a particular section right now that I will get back to play later. Um, that I played for like 45 minutes this morning and couldn't get through. But I know it. Like I'll, I'll come back clear-headed a few hours later and crush it. And so yeah, check this game out. Uh, it's called Cyber Shadow. It's super, it's super cool. Yeah, it's out now. Plays great on Switch and it's on Game Pass if you have that. So. Give it a and shot. We do have a review up for it by Mitchell Saltzman, who gave That's it right. an eight out of ten and said a lot of similar things that Brian just did. Tom, yeah, he said he, he I was gonna say real quick, he said it was hard. Um, and he's absurdly he's good at so videos. Good at really games. good, yeah. So um just that word of caution there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tom, what are you playing? Uh the main thing that I wanted to mention was that I'm playing Persona 5 Strikers. Uh, which I am playing on the PS4 version of, so I have not played the the Switch version specifically, so I can't speak to the quality that way, but, um, and I can only talk about the first kind of section of the game. If you want more in-depth thoughts on that section, Jonathan Dornbush, who's another big Persona fan in-house, did a a full preview of it, which you can find on IGN. But yeah, I'm uh, enjoying it a surprising amount, and I'm enjoying it as a persona game a surprising amount i i think that the biggest misconception that i had about this and that i think a lot of people had about it is that it it's koei and it's omega force which means that it's muso which means that it's dynasty warriors persona in the same way that hyrule warriors is dynasty warriors zelda uh and that's not the case hmm. at at all i would say um it's not a muso game at all it is a persona style jrpg that just has combat that's similar to kingdom hearts basically kingdom hearts or Mm. final fantasy 7 remake it's an action jrpg um Mm. that feels like a persona game like pretty much through and through a simplified persona game but a persona game through and through um yeah it it is like that's the one thing i'll hammer home here it is not sounds cool a muso game it is it's not Kingdom Hearts Dyna- or it's not Persona Dynasty Warriors. It's Persona Kingdom Hearts in like does, a very, very tangible way. Does it have the I love Persona 5. I think it's one yeah. of the best RPGs ever made. And does it have that sense of style where, you know, that Persona feel even permeates the menus and, and yeah. like the way everything feels? Yeah, totally. It's cool. it, it feels pretty much like a like a lot of things are slimmed down to an extent, but it feels like a direct sequel to Persona 5 pretty much awesome. full stop almost like a slimmed down sequel, but pretty much that. Um, and like, yeah, it's, it's just really impressed me. The The opening level really, really was like, Oh, this is not what I was expecting this to That's be. Great. Yeah. So it's really cool. And it's really just like, God, I love these. Do- I love these stupid characters so much. <laughs> like it's so great. It felt like coming home to go back to them. So it was really, Yeah. I'm excited for this, and I really need to finish uh, Persona 5. It's impossible to finish. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> no, it's, it's, very, it's a very long game, though. 
I beat Persona 5 and then I platinum Persona 5 Royal. And that's oh what I will God. say for Switch owners. Uh, if you haven't played Persona 5, I think probably you're going to get a lot less out of this game. Yeah. Which is a bummer for Switch and PC players, but... Well, luckily, Persona breaks. 5 is readily available on Nintendo Switch to purchase no, and play, right? It isn't. Uh, <laughs> nope. We wish. Uh, we wish. And on that note, we unfortunately are out of time, Pear. I know you wanted to talk about Grindstone and your... No, no. I, I, wanted... I didn't. I... <laughs> okay. You're just playing Grindstone. Okay. I, I did get to play some of Atelier Ryza 2 last night, and it was my first Atelier game, and I, I really liked it. It has like an action time battle system which was different from what i expected and a very comprehensive crafting system called alchemy it's very neat i'll talk more about it next week when i'm able to play it more and over the break while i was gone i also played a lot of calico which is very cute but also has a lot of bugs but they're like the fun kind of bugs and if i played this when i was a young girl this would have been my favorite game of all time because it's like way more <laughs> wow. than just cats but anyway, that is about all the time we have left for this week's NBC. If um, you want to send in your listener questions, I know we didn't get to them this week, but we will next week. We will get to them. I promise. I'm sorry. But you can head, but you can uh, submit those questions to NBC at IGN.com or respond to our weekly question block post on the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums on Facebook. And thank you so much for watching. And remember, NBC is the only place you can get the thing. Get the thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey there it's rachel ballinger and i am extremely excited to invite you to rachel uncensored it's my podcast where i sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so we cover things from personal stories to hot button issues and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.